Praise the Lord and welcome to our weekly 30-minute podcast, The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Our podcast will cover various topics that are often overlooked, misunderstood, or even controversial from a biblical perspective. We're blessed to have a team of wonderful producers who want to make each episode something that will be enjoyable and informative. During this episode, we will talk about the power of prayer and how cultivating a relationship with God through prayer, along with a spirit of humility, vulnerability, obedience, and truth can shift our lives. Today's podcast was produced by Elder Maurice and Lady Satoya Clanton. It was edited by Lady Satoya Clanton and Brother Howard Harris. I'll be right back with today's episode. Dictionary.com defines the verb push as meaning to press upon or against a thing with force in order to move it away or to move something in a specific way by exerting force. Merriam-Webster defines the push as meaning to exert oneself continuously, vigorously, or obtrusively to gain an end. The noun push means a shove or thrust. We've all heard the pneumatic push during church services or in talking with our sisters and brothers in Christ. In this context, we've come to know It means pray until something happens. We've been taught that prayer is the key that unlocks the door to gain access to the blessings of God. But so many view prayer as an all-access pass to God simply because we are His children. Oftentimes we throw up the popcorn prayers to God for the things we want Him to do for us as we rush through the day making promises to spend more time in prayer and communion with Him when we have more time. (laughs) The irony in this way of thinking isn't lost upon me. Many of us find that we fill our day to the brim with the cares of this world, neglecting to connect with God for direction and guidance on how to approach the day. When we face challenges throughout the day, we immediately go to God for the answer with the notion that He will move quickly to resolve the issue so that we can get back to what occupied our time. In other instances, many of us find ourselves in constant prayer. But often, for the wrong reasons, we dwell in prayer hoping that God will move against His will to bend to ours under the guise of wanting to connect with Him. In both of these cases, we find that we are serving our selfish lust and desires, neither of which are in the will of God. Listeners, here's the elephant in the room. While we can indeed push God to act on our behalf through prayer, we must understand that prayer isn't a magic wand we can wave at Him to get Him to do our bidding. Prayer is a powerful tool in our spiritual arsenal that connects us to the Father 
so that we can develop intimacy and relationship with him. In turn, our prayers move him to act when we call on him in our time of need. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, the King James Version reads like this, Jesus gave us a perfect example of how to pray to our Heavenly Father. Here it is in verse number 9. After this matter, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In this model prayer, Jesus showed the disciples an order in which to approach God in prayer. Today, as God's children, we have the same access along with Jesus as our advocate with the Father. When we pray, we must also follow an order of honor and respect to God. First, we address the Heavenly Father. When we begin to pray, we have various ways of starting, but they are all in address to the person that we are seeking help from. Some examples. Our Father, God in heaven, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus showed us the importance of knowing who we're praying to. We find that there are many people in this world who profess to be gods. And there are people and things that some people make gods, like their spouses, children, pastors, money, or worldly possessions. In the days of old, when the children of Israel would pray, they would often say the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, because, as we know, there were many gods, but only one true and living God. Secondly, thank him for blessings and forgiveness. After we have started our conversations or prayers with the Father, the next thing we should do is thank him for all of his grace and protection, for forgiving power, his unmerited favor, and his mercy toward us. We can also take this time to thank God for our homes, our families, our health, and other things that he has blessed us with in the land. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thirdly, make our petition known or ask for God's blessings. Doing this part of prayer, we can make known to the Father all that you have need of from Him. We can make petitions, a humble appeal for our neighbors, our brothers, sisters, our children, our pastors, our churches, or our communities. We can ask in faith and make our petitions known unto God for help. We can ask him to bless us with things such as knowledge, comfort, guidance, peace, health, or strength to withstand life challenges, and for God to give us his divine 
direction. And then thank God in advance and conclude in Jesus' name. In prayers, when we make our salutations or addresses to the Father, we must thank him for all of his benefits toward us and for his mercy, grace, and forgiveness. After we have thanked God, have made our requests and petitions known to him, then we must close our prayers in Jesus' name. In John chapter 16, verse number 23, Jesus told his disciples, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Psalms chapter 51, verses 16 through 17, speaks of authenticity in prayer. For thou desirest not sacrifices, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. When we go before God with a broken and contrite heart, we demonstrate a vulnerability to him that shows we are ready to receive what he has in store for us. In the book, The Power of Crying Out, When Prayer Becomes Mighty, Bill Gothard wrote, It takes a lot of humility to cry out to God in our distress. Humility before the living God is precisely what we need. He also wrote that prayers are a natural outflow of a love relationship with our listening Lord. Our great example of a person having a humble heart before God was David, whose deep, intimate prayers fill the pages of Psalms. As we read through Psalms, we see in every one of David's prayer how he reverenced God while recognizing his own frailty as a man. In Psalms 39, verse 4, David wrote, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. In Psalms 51, we see David's contriteness and heart of repentance after the prophet Nathan revealed the grievous sin David had committed, as written in 2 Samuel chapter 12. David cried out to God in Psalms 51, verses 1 through 3, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. When we present ourselves in truth and humility before the throne of God, we can hear from him clearly when we call unto him. In turn, 
When we cry out to God out of a pure heart, he won't fail to hear us. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse number 3, God told Jeremiah, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Gothard expounded on this scripture, writing that, The creator of the universe desires an intimate, loving fellowship with the people he created. Now, friend, prayer can move mountains. When we come before God in reverence and obedience to his command, we see his wonderful glory revealed before us. We have several examples in the word of God that show us the power of prayer and crying out to God in sincerity. In Exodus chapter 14, we see where Moses and the children of Israel were faced with insurmountable obstacles. The Pharaoh and his army chasing them and the Red Sea before them. At this moment, they seemingly had no option left and were in a desperate situation. So they cried out to the Lord to save them. Moses knew the power of God through his personal relationship to God and through what he had witnessed in Egypt before their exodus. Moses spoke to them and said, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Praise God. God spoke to Moses and said in verses 15 through 18, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Oh, I love this. I really love this. When my father passed in, in 2006, I, I was not very optimistic. I was very deeply concerned about the future of the ministry. And I heard those two words, go forward. God said to Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Friends, I need to pause here right now and tell somebody, you too need to go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the middle of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his host, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, 
upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Because of the relationship Moses had through his prayer life with God, the Lord moved immediately on his behalf to both protect the children of Israel and provide a way for them to cross over into the promised land. Our prayer lives can move God in the same way. When we are faced with life's challenges or those mountains that seem unmovable, we can do as Jesus instructed us in Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. Hallelujah. When we pray, we must speak in faith, knowing that when we go to God in Jesus' name, we can boldly expect his deliverance. We can go to our Father knowing that he is our help, our keeper, and our deliverer. Prayer can heal, save, and deliver. Perhaps you remember Hezekiah's prayers to God and how they show us how our prayers can change our circumstances, even delivering us from death's door. Hezekiah was one of the youngest kings. He was a man of faith and righteous in the eyes of the Lord and a great man of prayer. Around the age of 39, Hezekiah's body was stricken with sickness to the point of death. The prophet Isaiah came to him and let him know to set his affairs in order because he was going to die. Because of his faith in God, he believed for his healing and cried out to God, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. Because of the testimony of faithfulness to the Lord, God spoke to Isaiah and told him in verses 5 through 6, here's what he said, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, Hallelujah. I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. What is 
your testimony when you go before God in prayer. This is Bishop Michael Bellamy. I hope you enjoy our podcasts and subscribe to our Facebook page. You will find our weekly 30-minute podcast on many of your favorite platforms. Would you please tell your family and friends to listen in as well? We would love to hear from you. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook and via email at theelephant2022 at gmail.com. We know the story of the widow woman in 1 Kings chapter 17. The Lord commanded the prophet Elijah to go down to Zarephath, where a widow woman would sustain him. In Zarephath, the widow woman had lost hope because of the ongoing famine. She had prayed for the father to help their lack because she had done all that she knew to do. But we know that God can save anyone from the hopelessness that she was facing. The widow woman had put her petition before the Lord, but she also looked at her situation and put it in her mind that she and her son were going to eat their last meal and die. Many times while we're trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out for us. The next part of the story is the most important takeaway because it shows us that God is able. Friends, may I say that again? And I hope this goes to the core of your soul, breathes into your spirit hope. God is able. We see the prophet Elijah was being fed by the ravens God sent him daily throughout the famine, and he drank from the brook. However, the day had finally come when the brook dried up and the ravens didn't appear with meat for Elijah. It was here that God told him to go down to Zarephath, telling him, Arise! Get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. That's in First Kings chapter 17, verse 9. Elijah did as the word commanded, finding the woman and her son in their state of hopelessness. Elijah petitioned the woman for a morsel of bread, to which the woman replied, telling him of her situation and plans to eat their last meal and die. Elijah said to her in verses 13 through 15, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meat shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, 
until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. My God, this, this brings tears to my eyes. Hallelujah. Not only did the widow woman and her son not die, but they were blessed with provisions to last throughout the famine. When we petition God with our requests, we must know, we must know, we must know that he hears us even in the moments when it seems as if all hope is lost. Let's take a look at the, the people of Nineveh. We know the story of Jonah and the city of Nineveh and how the word of the Lord came to Jonah to go and cry against the city of Nineveh for their wickedness had come up before God. In that story, we know that Jonah had other plans in mind and went in a different direction, contrary to what God had instructed him. But we see when Jonah was delivered up from the fish, he made haste, making a three-day trip in one day because of the power of God he had witnessed firsthand. When Jonah arrived in the city, he warned the citizens of Nineveh would be overthrown within 40 days at this warning. The people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. The king of Nineveh arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and set in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent? And turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. Because of the sincerity of their repentance, God saw their works, that they turned from their evil ways, and God repented of the evil that he has said he would do unto them if he did it not. Friends, I am a witness prayer can change us. In his sermon, Praying in the Holy Ghost, Charles Spurgeon wrote, Praying in the Holy Ghost is praying in fervency. Call prayers, my brother. Ask the Lord not to hear them. Those who do not plead with fervency, plead not at all. As well, speak of lukewarm fire as of lukewarm prayer. It is essential that it be red hot. Real prayer is burnt 
as with hot iron into a man's soul. And then it comes forth from the man's soul like coals of juniper, which have a most vehement heat. Such prayers, none but the Holy Ghost can give. When we pray with fervency, we cry out to God with great intensity of feelings. When we find ourselves in a desperate situation with no hope of changing the circumstances, this is the opportune time to allow God to move. In the power of crying out when prayer becomes mighty, Bill Gothard wrote, But God's ways are often opposite to our lines of reasoning. He wants us to come to the conclusion God did it. He asks that we recognize our weakness in order to experience his strength so that we can say with Paul, when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's take a look at the testimony of Apostle Paul, another champion of prayer. Now, we know he prayed many prayers through his ministry, mostly for fellow laborers and saints that had come to know who Jesus was and accept his salvation through water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But I'd like to draw your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. In this chapter, Paul tells us about a revelation that the Lord gave him and how he was caught up into paradise, hearing unspeakable words, which were not lawful for man to utter. He began to proclaim that the glory of his experience was so great that he could be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. In verses 6 through 8, Paul wrote, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Whatever the issue Paul was dealing with, he pleaded for God to remove it from him. But the Lord had other plans in store for Paul telling him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Here we see Paul's desired removal and healing from the infirmity, but his deliverance was in going through the test God placed in his life. As Paul endured, he wrote, most gladly, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, 
in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Sometimes God will answer our prayers in ways that are completely opposite of what we wanted. But this is all for our ultimate good. God's grace was sufficient to keep Paul through his affliction and in his suffering. Paul's mind was changed from one of exasperation to one of perseverance. Friends, I hope you didn't think I would talk about prayer and not talk about our ultimate example of the power of prayer, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're all familiar with Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, as described in John chapter 17, but let's take a look at the other perspectives on his prayer as depicted in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 45, Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 41, and Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 46. Jesus' hour had come to face the cross, and his natural body and his spirit were weary. He took Peter, James, and John with him to watch while he prayed, telling them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Jesus went into the garden and sought God's mercy and deliverance from the cross. He prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it. Jesus prayed this prayer three times to God. But the key is how he concluded each prayer. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will be done. That was one of the most difficult things Jesus endured, knowing that he would have to suffer and die. In Jesus' hour of need, God sent an angel to minister to him while his spirit was in turmoil. The word tells us in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, and being in an agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Can you imagine the overwhelming weight on Jesus' shoulders? In his hour of despair and agony, Jesus still made the choice to let God's will be done. In giving over to his own will, to that of the Father. Jesus' deliverance came through his obedience and resolve to let God's will be done for man's salvation. He had to face the cross and be our atonement for sins, the ultimate sacrifice. Through his supplications to God, 
Jesus found and understood that his deliverance would be on the other side of the cross. The word in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 reads, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of all faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, Jesus is our perfect example of how sometimes our prayer may be answered, not with the answer we were looking for, but with the answer that we needed. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 7 through 13, Paul wrote to Timothy, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even into bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Our deliverance, joy, healing, and change may be on the other side of the test or storm God allows in our lives. It can even be in the midst of those tests or storms, given us and as they went testimony of God's goodness. Through prayer, we gain strength and renewed faith to press on to the end. Prayer is one of the most fundamental necessities for Christians walk. Our prayers are the key that with faith unlock the doors to the blessings of God in every shape and fashion that they come. In knowing this, we must be careful how we use prayer. As lowly humans, we must understand that we are naked before God. Nothing is hidden from him, even the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 reads, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joint and moral, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things, are naked 
and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Our heart's desires are already known by God, whether they are spiritual or natural. God knows what we yearn for and what we need, whether it's healing, a spouse, a family, deliverance from mental health issues or salvation. While we can go boldly to the Father with our petitions, we must remember the awesomeness of God and honor and revere him. When we pray, we must strip ourselves of any pride and vanity. When we approach him, knowing that we are simply dust and ashes before him, we must allow our Father to speak to our hearts by communing with him, taking time to talk to him, and, in, and allowing God's space to answer us. When we pray, we can move God to act on our behalf, to move mountains, heal sickness, save souls, or change us from the inside out. But we must remember to let his will be done. Oftentimes we don't know what to pray for, but as true believers filled with the Holy Spirit, we know that the Spirit will make intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. God is the one that searches the heart and knoweth what is in the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Because the spirit makes intercessions for us, we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And you know, that's Romans 8, 28. With God, all things are possible to them that believe. What are you praying and believing God for in your life today? Well, friends, that's all the time we have for this episode. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode which was produced by Elder Maurice and Lady Satoya Clanton. Be safe, stay healthy, God bless.